0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Man, this is real, guys. This isn't a dead religion. We don't serve a false God that doesn't respond to his people. This isn't emotionalism where we're just trying to stir up good feelings. God is here. I mean, are, are we aware of it? God is here. It's unbelievable. He's so kind to want to be with us, and he's here. We've been asking God for revival long before we even moved out here 12 years ago to start the church. We were like, I mean, he just shared our thesis statement, like, right, why we moved out here. To usher revival into the Phoenix Valley transforms nations through a church-planting movement. That's why we came, was like, God, would you just do something we can't do ourselves, And it's not because we have the best strategies or the best people or we're somehow special. It's because you are so kind that when we call out to God, when we ask, when we knock, when we seek, we find. He comes. That's the promise of God. And we've been seeing this corporate revival, God reviving, even the word revival. The word revival literally means to resurrect. It means taking dead things and making it alive again. It's revived. And God is wanting to revive us, to stir us, to awaken us. And there's this corporate revival where God is moving in this house in ways that we've been pleading for for 12 years and it's happening. And it's not just wishful thinking, it's happening. Every week there are testimonies of salvations, healings, physical bodies being healed, marriages being restored. Like every, It's, it's happening constantly in this house. There has to be that very thing. It has to transition. And this is what we feel like God's taking us, even. This was not part of the plan. This is just us trying to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But for the next couple of weeks, we want to talk specifically about stewarding personal revival. Because it has to move beyond corporate revival. We can't live off of somebody else's revelation of Jesus. I'm not going to wake up alive in God because somebody else had a great testimony. I need my own testimony. You need your testimony of what God's doing in your life. And that comes through stewarding your own soul, your own heart, and realizing this is real. God is not dead. He's very much alive, and he wants to stir and speak and meet with each and every one of us. So I'm going to have you say something by faith, okay? And you're going to say it with me, okay? You're going to repeat after me. Our God speaks. Our God speaks. And, he speaks to me. and he speaks to me. I'm going to say it again. Our God speaks, speaks. and he speaks to me. me. If your mind is offended, that's okay, (laughs) because my mind has been offended by God many, many times. He seems not to care and moves forward anyway. (laughs) And I think God wants to move forward with us, and he wants you to know that he is engaging in pursuit with you. Even as our prayer team, we have a prayer team that meets every Sunday, an hour before service, and they just seek the Lord. And every week, it's crazy. They'll come and they'll share with us, hey, this is what we think God said, this is scripture, and it's Always aligned with what the word of the Lord is for that. It's incredible. They don't know, they don't have the inside scoop other than they hear the Lord. And this week, this this posture of man, there's this, this longing that we would run to Jesus. Everything they kept reading in the scriptures this morning as they were praying, seeking God, I was like, we're called to run to Jesus. And the beautiful thing is, He's already running to us. It's not us running to try to catch up or find Him somewhere. He's already in hot pursuit of meeting each and every one of us. It's just a matter of us being awakened to realize and respond and turn to him and say, I'm going to lean back towards you, God. That is part of what it means to steward personal revival. It's this leaning in or or running towards or moving in the direction of God and trusting that he's going to show up when we do that. As I was was praying, um, I couldn't get past... This passage in John, most of us have probably heard it, but it's John 10, verse 27, 28. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. My God speaks and he speaks to me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. He's familiar with you. He knows you specifically, and they follow me. There's this sense of obedience, this response, this attentiveness, and staying in alignment with the Lord. This has been God's plan from the beginning. When I lived in Boston, um, people were smarter than me (laughs) everywhere I went. Uh, People in Boston are smart. I don't know if you know this. It has the highest IQ per capita in the world in Boston. Because you have like Harvard, MIT, they're just smart people. And we'd get in these conversations about God and it was so hard because they would ask questions I don't have answers to. But then I would be like, okay, well, Lord, what do you say? And then God would say something and I would agree with it. And it trumped man's wisdom every time. I'm not that smart of a guy. I'm pretty average. And the Lord would just show up and he would give wisdom and insight and in Revelation every time. And it just started to change my paradigm of what it means to actually walk with God. This is God's intent, that we would walk with him and hear him, and he would lead us. Think about it from the history, beginning of history, Genesis, okay? God creates the heavens and the earth, creates all things in it, creates Adam and Eve, he creates a garden, he puts them in it, and he says, this is very good. Another translation, this literally means perfect. I've created Perfection. This is how it should be. And how did Adam and Eve commune with God? It says they walked with him in the garden. In Genesis 3, it says that. They would walk with him in the garden. He would speak, they would listen, they would talk, they would would have face-to-face encounters with God. We were made, you were made, to have face-to-face encounters with God. You were. Not somebody else, not somebody else's story. You personally were made to have this type of engagement with God. But we know that sin shows up in Genesis 3. And it says that it brings death, not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. And now, we can't live in the garden with God face to face, but then we have to be kicked out of the garden and we're now separated by God. And then it goes on to this long, long period, thousands of years, where you have prophets, judges, kings, and priests that have to be mediators between God and man. You and I couldn't just talk to him like we talked to him today. We didn't have access to God. There was all these all these hindrances and brokenness between how we were supposed to, to, to engage and lean into the Lord and actually know Him intimately and to be able to speak to Him and then hear back from Him. It was a broken relationship because of sin. We see in um, 2 Peter 1.19, it says this about how the prophets would speak. Actually, we're going to go to verse 20. You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God would speak to a prophet, and then the prophet would speak to the people, and that's how they knew, and that's how they would engage with God. That's a pretty broken relationship, right? Like if I had a relationship with my wife via somebody else, it would not be a deep, intimate relationship with my wife. Hey, Garrett, you mind if I call you and you tell Shelly so-and-so and and what's, what's up? And then she'll call you and you call, you know, it doesn't work, right? There has to be this one-on-one relationship. But then we have what, we know what happens at climax, and it's Jesus. Ah. You can say, ah, uh, ah, ah. There you go. Jesus shows up, right? And now it's the garden again. Who is God? Well, Jesus is God. What does the voice of God say? Well, whatever Jesus says. How do we engage with God? Well, we engage with Jesus. But then we still have this problem. It's still proximity, Did you hear what Jesus said? Well, you'll have to tell me because I wasn't there. What did he say? Oh, you're lucky, you're you're a disciple, and you're like, I get to hang out with a guy and follow him everywhere he goes. But it still wasn't the intent of Jesus. But we do know that Jesus still was the mouthpiece of God. It says this in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. So there was the garden original intent that was perfect. There was the brokenness because of man's sin that had all these mediators that was messy and imperfect and never could measure up. And then Jesus shows up and now we have Jesus again. But then Jesus says, him speaking in John 16, this is what he says. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where he can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Jesus, speaking to people, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. There's a lot on my heart and mind that I want to convey to my creation. That's what God just said right there. But when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Let me dumb this down. Jesus says this, I say and do only... What I hear the Father say and do, right? So Jesus actually says, I'm actually beholden to my Father. So I don't go independent. Me me and the Father are one, is actually what he says. So only things I say and do, it's because of what he tells me to say and do. But then here he says, the Holy Spirit is beholden to Jesus. And he only says and does what Jesus tells him. See the chain of connection? But then that last part of that verse says this. That is why I said, the Spirit will see from me what he will make known to you. God has something he wants to make known to you. Do you know that word make known, angeo, it's Greek? It literally means to speak. It's like rhema, not logos, which is the Bible, the written word of God. Rhema meaning the freshly spoken word of God, the timely, in the moment word of God. Do you believe that our God speaks and that he speaks to you? This is how we're going to steward personal revival is this leaning in or this running to even aggressive pursuit of the heart of God for our everyday this is this is what God want, I mean Jesus needed the Holy Spirit have you ever thought about that Jesus son of God perfect needed the Holy Spirit in his life before he starts his ministry actually what catalyzes the beginning of his ministry he gets baptized And when he gets baptized, it says that the heavens open up, that the Holy Spirit descends down from the father like a dove and lands on his shoulder. And then the voice of God speaks over his son. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And it's the inauguration, the beginning of Jesus's ministry. If Jesus needs the spirit of God to guide and lead him, I think we do too. Would you agree? We need it. And I was pondering this and I was talking with some friends about this, but have you ever had a bird on your shoulder? We used to have this, this pet bird named Clarence that I, I hated. Um, my wife is angry about that because she loved Clarence. It was her bird, not mine. It was very needy. You'd come home and be like, hello, hello, hello. And like start yelling. And then you'd have to like go spend time with it. And not like five minutes, like 20 minutes for it to calm down. And then you'd go do whatever you're going to do at home. It was so demanding. And so thank God the Holy Spirit's not quite like that. But well, I mean, maybe he could be like, hello, hello. Maybe some times God, God is talking like that to us. But when you walk with a bird on your shoulder, you can't just like walk like normal. Like you can't just be like doing your things and like there's this like awareness and you walk with a sensitivity as to not scare or, or, or move or f- make the bird go away. You, you want the bird to rest on you. That's why it's on your shoulder. And so you're walking with this sensitivity awareness that it's here. This is how we're called to live with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon us, and it's not just for salvation, but it's this indwelling stirring that he might speak, lead, stir, and empower the, the average everyday believer. You and I are called to live a supernatural lifestyle. We should be ruined for ordinary living, not because we are great or we're awesome. It's because we have the spirit of God that makes known to us whatever the son and therefore the father is saying and doing. So because of this chain reaction, there should be this, oh, I've got to be, okay, whatever, yeah, you're saying this? Okay, I'm going to be sensitive to what you're saying right now. And I, I've just been praying for us that we would take this posture as everyday believers, as stewing personal revival. We're taking this posture of, okay, Lord, what do you say? Okay, yeah, I'll go this way. Oh, hold on, what? All right, and there's, we're aware. Every, we have this in mind. God is with us. God is saying something. God is doing something. That is why I believe John 15 Jesus uses the imagery of vine and branches, and he's like, you must abide in me, and I abide in you. There's this connection, there's this awakening, revived awareness of the Spirit of God on and through us at all times. If Jesus needs it, so do we. As a pastor, we, I meet with people all the time over a lot of different things, and a common conversation that, I have, and a conversation I've had in my own heart, I'm not, I'm not void of this as well, it's just there's times where God feels distant. You ever feel that way? You're like, you just feels so far from me. Or I, seem, I can't seem to hear him. Or I don't know what to do. You ever feel that way? I just don't know what to do, God. And I'll tell you, God is wisdom. And we want to go to God for wisdom. I, I, it makes me even think about you know, King Solomon, you know, in, in uh, Second Chronicles, there's, there's this story where David was king, and he was a good and righteous king, even though he did some crazy bad stuff. He's a murderer and adulterer, but he's also a man after God's own heart. But Because he repents sincerely, and he turns to the Lord, and it also says that he fulfilled everything he was called to in his generation. Man, I would love that to be said of us. We, we own, this is our generation. If we're alive, this is us, and we want to be those who say, God, we did and said all that you called us to in our generation, Right? And so then King David dies and goes to the be of the Lord and his son Solomon takes over the throne. And God is pleased with Solomon. And he actually goes to him and he gives him a blank check. He says, Solomon, ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Wouldn't that be wild? You're like, oh, I could think of a whole lot of stuff. I wouldn't mind. But Solomon, in great humility and wisdom in his own right, he says this to the Lord. He says, You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And God is so pleased that he didn't ask for a bunch of vain things, but he asked for something very mature and deep and purposeful of like, God, I want to follow your leadership. I need your wisdom on how to lead your people, right? That God, this is the response of the Lord. He says, since this is your heart, this is God speaking to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had, and none after you will ever have. But what's so significant about this exchange that they're having is it's actually not a one for one. Solomon does say, Wisdom, God, the same way you were faithful to my father, be faithful to me and give me wisdom that I might lead your people well. But what's interesting is God doesn't say, Great, I'll give you wisdom. It's a different word that God uses in response. And the more accurate translation is, so Solomon says, give me wisdom. God says, great, I'm gonna give you, and the word he uses is an ear to hear me. An ear to hear me. You want wisdom? You, you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. I have questions without answers. I have problems I don't know how to solve. I'm dealing with these mountains I can't climb. I need breakthrough. I need restoration in my soul. I don't know what to do. God, would you give us an ear to hear you? Right now, in Jesus' name, would you create a sensitivity in us as a people that hear and respond to the voice of the Lord? Holy Spirit, will you on a Geo, will you speak and make known to us what the Father and the Son are doing? And may we align ourselves with it right now in Jesus' name. This is why we seek the Lord. Because who else has the words of life, as Peter says? Where else can I go? There's no other option. We don't have a plan B. And if it's our own wisdom and strength, we're going to lead ourselves into ditches. Some of us are in ditches because we went on our own wisdom and strength. We need to hear the Lord. We need to lean in, run to him. And so there's lots of reasons why sometimes it is difficult for us to hear God or be people who abide with the Lord. But I just want to give a couple that I feel like God highlighted that he wants to enlighten us and help us to get breakthrough this morning. The first one is I felt like the Lord says we need to learn to wait on him. The word wait on the Lord is a biblical phrase It shows up multiple times. A couple examples is Psalm 135, which says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word I do hope. And Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. But I specifically, I love Lamentations 3. I I felt like God has been speaking this all week. And it says this, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What I want to draw attention to is waiting on God is not passive. It's not doing anything and saying, well, I waited. God just didn't show up. There's an intentional, leaning in, aggressive nature, saying, God, I want to create space for you to speak to me. What I have found is that Christians are really bad at waiting on God. We're really good about one-way conversations to God, where we say, I'm upset about this. I don't know what to do about this why is this happening here? Lord, I don't understand here, right? And then we end the the phone call and then we move on. And we don't wait for God to say, well, let me tell you what to do about that. I have answers for that problem. I'm gonna bring salvation, hope and healing and restoration in this situation. Hey, let me give you an insight on what I'm actually doing here so you don't get bitter in your heart over here. Like we don't wait. I I looked at this statistic, 63 minutes a day. The average American has 63 minutes a day that we are not in front of a phone, computer, radio. It's called media-free time. 63 minutes a day. That's it. That is the that is what our society's come to. And we wonder why it's really hard to wait with God. There has to be intentionality about this. We have to put down our phones, we need to turn off the TV, we need to shut the computer, and we need to say, "God, what do you say about this? I'm listening." The so waiting on the Lord is where we cultivate the space to hear him. He is kind, and sometimes he will interrupt through the television and the phone and the whatever. But if you want to steward personal revival, if you want to cultivate a soul that is walking and abiding and leaning in towards the Lord in the everyday and the ever, you're walking with the Spirit on your shoulder and you're mindful in a posture, there's this time and space that you cultivate daily to say, I'm going to wait on the Lord. So, I really believe God wants to do that. And the second uh, part of that is with this, we don't give God space to speak, is we expect him to be forceful when often he is gentle. It makes me think about 1 Kings 19, where they're up on this mountain, and there's this earthquake, and there's this fire, and there's this thunder, and there's all this noise, and it says, then there was this gentle whisper." It says, God wasn't in the thunder. He wasn't in the lightning. It says, but then there's this gentle whisper." We have to be willing to be sensitive and agreeable with whatever God wants to speak or we'll miss it. We can miss it. I will say, I believe wholeheartedly that you grow in familiarity with the voice of God to where it's easier and easier to discern. That's, that's consistent with the nature of God. It's consistent with the word of God. It's, it's the Lord as he's leading and I'm getting familiar with his voice. If Imagine for a moment my dad was not part of my life. And then all of a sudden he said, hey Adam, I wanna to get to know you. And I'm like, okay, you know, you've missed 38 years, but let's try now. And so we start to do life and it's Arizona and it's a million degrees outside. So we're like, let's go to the mall because it's indoors. And so we go to the mall and me and my father are walking around the mall talking, but oh, it's 3.30 and a sea of a thousand 13 year old girls come out of school and they get to the mall and they separate me and my father. And I'm on one side and he's on the other and they're talking and I can't hear him. And he's like, son, son, trying to get my attention. But because I'm not familiar with him, I don't have a relationship that's cultivated over time. I like the, and then he starts to even say, Adam, Adam. Maybe sometimes I'm like, I, I think, was that my dad? What? Right? Now imagine reality today, who I have a very wonderful present father. And I could go to the mall, it could be 10,000 13-year-old girls separating us. And my dad could sneeze. And I'd be like, do, do, do. Randy Reed sneeze, boom, right there. (laughs) Found him, right? Why can I do that? I have cultivated familiarity and consistency of talking with my dad. I fought to wait and create space for his presence to abide where I am. Like, I don't just hope that it happens or you have good ideas or even good theology. You can have good theology and horrible practice, right? The Pharisees had good theology, horrible practice, right? So there has to be this place where you're like, I want to create space for God. I want to be sensitive to God. I want to be mindful of what he is saying and doing. And as I create familiarity, then I grow in understanding of when he is speaking and where he is leading. The next one is that when God speaks, we don't take steps of faith or obedience in response to what he says. This is hard to do, right? This is when the rubber hits the road. You're like, okay, I think I heard the Lord. And then I chicken out, (laughs) right? And I'm guilty of this all the time. But God wants to cultivate a stewarding personal revival lifestyle where we are yes people to the Lord whatever you say, God, I'm listening and I'm already saying yes. I don't even know what you're gonna ask yet. I call this, my family and I, we use this phrase, the premeditated yes. I've already processed, I trust that you're good and you have good things for me and my family. And so if you say something, you've got a man who says yes. It's not based on the actual action or the outcome of the action. It's based on your character as good. Yes, God. But when we don't obey, it's almost like the volume is getting turned down a notch at a time with every no. But I will say that every yes, it's almost like it gets louder and louder and louder because you're just starting to get in agreement with the Spirit of God. And you're like, man, it's like he's so clear, so easy to commune and connect with the Father. My my dad um, one day was, was just doing life, living in Indiana. This is a number of years back. And the Lord brought to mind his friend Ron. And I felt like God said, call Ron. And Ron is a friend that my dad had for many years, very close friend, but they would have these long extended periods of time where they wouldn't talk. I mean, like weird, like five, 10 year periods. But when they get together, like they didn't miss a day. You have any friends like that? That's how Ron was with with my dad. And so all of a sudden, dad's doing life, a little whisper, call Ron. And dad's like, I think the Lord told me to call Ron. Honey, do you have Ron's number? You know, okay, I get it. And he calls, gives Ron a call. And Ron's like, I can't believe you're calling right now, Randy. He's like, why? He's like, I'm sitting at the, uh, in the clinic, and I just found out that I have terminal brain cancer and only have a few weeks to live. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. So the dad's grieving with him over the phone. Ron doesn't know Jesus, but he lets my dad pray over him. So he prays over him, and, and so they talk, and then he hangs up, and my dad's just grieved by this. Well, for the next two weeks, every time my dad would spend time with the Lord, he felt like God would just spark him saying, you need to go see Ron, you need to go see Ron. And my dad's like, you know, my dad's in Indiana. Ron lives in Raleigh, North Carolina at this time. He's like... Okay, so then he tries to get flights, and there, there's all it's a longer story, but he basically was having trouble getting there. But eventually, he makes way, and he gets himself to Raleigh, and doesn't even tell Ron. He just shows up. And when he even gets there, he goes to his house, and he's not there, and his sister's there, Ron's sister, and she says, oh, Ron's, Ron's in the hospital. He has a, he's permanently now at the hospital. He can't even leave the hospital anymore. And he's like, oh. So he goes to the hospital. Ron's blown away that my dad even shows up. He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, no, I felt like God told me to come. And he spends two hours with him, on a Friday night, and in those two hours, Ron gives his life to Jesus. All because of a whisper that my dad was like, will I obey? Will I lean into that? What if that's not God? Will I look foolish for going and loving a friend? No. We always act like the outcome's going to be horrific if we miss it. We've got to break off the fear of getting it wrong, and we need to operate by faith more than fear. Hebrews tells us that God is pleased with faith not perfection. There has to be a shift in our culture where we have to be perfect in this process. God loves messy, obedient people more than he loves religious, sitting on our hands doing nothing people. Like he wants us to engage as we steward this thing. And so the next day, my dad so my dad leaves the hospital, comes back on a Saturday, just within that 24 hour period by the next day, Ron is now incoherent, he's not responsive. So already, if da- my dad hadn't been there in that, that moment, he says, I don't know if Ron would have been able to even understand anything of what I shared with him about Jesus the day before. So he's like, so they're just, you know, Dad just kind of there. And so my dad begins, uh, Ron's not really communicating, and so he's just there for a little bit. And then he comes back the next day, and he's there. And now Ron is completely like, like no function, like having a hard time breathing. You could tell he's coming to the end of his life. But then two days of being there. And so my dad begins to sing praise songs over him. He's, it's only him and Ron in the hospital room and he starts singing these old school praise songs that my dad loved from like the 70s and 80s and he's just singing these songs out over him and he just ask, inviting the presence of God in the room. And he says, after doing this for a while, he feels like he's about to leave. And then again, a small whisper, God says, don't leave yet. He's like, okay. So then he goes back and he sits down next to him and he's holding Ron's hand and he's rubbing his arm and his hand and he's praying for him. And all of a sudden he just felt like the Lord said, he can go now. So he says, Ron, you don't have to suffer anymore. You can go now. And within 30 seconds, Ron gave his life up. And then my dad flew home. God is a speaking God. And he wants us to engage, not just in the stewarding of our own soul for ourselves, though yes and amen, but there is a world that needs Christians that cultivate righteousness and sensitivity and agreement with God in our souls. This corporate revival will filter or will just kind of dwindle and go away if we cannot individually say, God, stir and fan the flame of your spirit in me. May I walk with a posture that I'm sensitive to what you were speaking and leading. I remember really getting like excited about the Lord. I grew up again in a Christian home, loved God, but I didn't really understand the, the whole personal God talk to me thing. Though I was a Christian and I loved God, It was still very much a corporate expression of faith. And this guy was investing me named Jeff, and Jeff was challenging me, and he said, no, I I think you need to create space. You need to wait on the Lord. You need to remove distractions, and I want to challenge you to ask God to speak to you. And I was like, I don't know. I I don't even even know if I agree with that theologically, though I do now, but then I did not. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, do me a favor. Spend five minutes a day with God. After you pray, worship, whatever you do in your quiet times, give God five more minutes and just say, God, if you're speaking, I'm listening. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a try. This guy loves me. I, I trust him. He's not crazy. I'll give it a go. A month later, nothing has happened. So I show up to Jeff, and I say, Jeff, nothing's happening. I just wasted five minutes a day for a whole month. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was, he tells a little, actually a little frustrated. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, do me a favor. Give it another month. I'm like, another month? Man, what do you think I'm wasting my time? You know, and he's like, come on, do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it another month. I do it for a whole another month. It's two months in. I come back to Jeff and I'm genuinely upset. I'm like, Jeff, you're a jerk. (laughs) I wasn't laughing. I was serious. Because this is why. Jeff, you made me believe. You set my expectations this level where you told me that God would want to talk to me. The creator of the universe who who made all things. That he had something specific, not just to the church, the general population, but he had individual information and heart values that he wanted to communicate to my heart. God wanted to talk to me. You made me believe that, and he did it, and I'm hurt by it. Because I really started to believe, well, wow, what, what would happen if God started talking to me? How might I change, or what, what might I do, or how might life just become in color versus black and white if I start to commune with God in a way that every day I could talk to him, and he would talk back, and he didn't do it? So Jeff, you're a jerk, and I'm mad at you. And I actually got really upset, and he's like holding me like I'm crying. I'm, I'm a crier. But like I'm crying. He's crying. And he was so patient with me. He's like, Adam, I'm so sorry. And he's like, do me a favor. And I'm like, what? He's like, give it one more week. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right. I'll give it one more week. So for the next week, I start to do it again. And now it's a Tuesday. And at this time, this is before I'm in ministry. We're living in Boston. I was working as an architect. And I would commute to my job that's downtown with all the tall buildings on this bus. And the bus has 40 seats, but they pack like 60 people in it. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in those environments, but you have like an armpit in your face. You're like, somebody's armpits in your face, and you're like, oh my gosh. And you're all tight in there. And I'm not thinking about the Lord. I had not prayed. I had not had a quiet time. I haven't done anything spiritual, right? I'm like just surviving the morning. And as I'm riding along in this bus, all of a sudden I hear, hey, Adam. So I start looking around the bus. I'm looking at every face I can. I'm like, who? oh, okay, maybe that was nothing. All of a sudden, hey, Adam. And I'm hearing this, what I believe to be is audible. I'm hearing, hey, Adam. So I'm like, looking around, And all of a sudden I thought, God? (laughs) I'm so serious. And I'm like looking at the ceiling of a bus. (laughs) Because we always assume he's like higher, I don't know. And he goes, yes. I said, "Uh uh-huh. And he goes, I want you to do something. I said, okay. What do you want me to do? He goes, do you see that girl? I'm in a bus with 60 people. There's a lot of females on this bus. (laughs) But somehow, supernaturally, I know. He speaks in a way that I understand. I know exactly what girl he's referring to. I don't know how I know. I just know. It's three rows back on the left. That girl, she's mid-20s sitting down. And I said yeah, Lord, I I see her. He goes, I want you to tell her something. I was like, all right, what do you you want me to tell her? He goes, I want you to tell her that I love her very much, that I'm aware of her circumstance, but not be afraid, and that I have a plan and a purpose for her life. So I start doing the, the Bible checklist in my head. I'm like, I love her. Yeah, you love people. Don't be afraid. He says that more than any command, aware of the circumstance, he's omniscient, he knows everything, and he has a plan of purpose. Jeremiah 29, okay, check, 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 check. No. He goes, Excuse me. And I'm like, let me explain this to you, Lord. This is real. I'm not I'm not elaborating. This is really what happened. I said, I'm a normal person. And weird people do this stuff. And I'm really thrilled that I'm talking to you right now because I've been asking for this. This is awesome. But I want to be normal and I don't want to do that. And all of a sudden, never happened since or before any time, but then God cramps my ab muscles up. Like I think of it like with the pregnant nodes that they give guys that feel like labor pains or something. I was like, oh, and I went down to one knee and I'm down on one knee in the middle of this bus and my stomach is cramped up and God goes, as I'm down on the knee, he starts, he goes, you're telling me that you've been waiting two months for me to talk to you, you've been asking me every day. And I've been waiting for the moment that your heart was ready to obey when I do and you're still gonna tell me no? And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. Yeah, God, I'll do whatever you want. And I'll send my stomach, let go. And I was, I'm still on my knee. And I'm like, oh. And now another weird part of the story that is supernatural at some level, but the girl who was three rows back is now sitting directly next to me. I don't know why she changed seats. But I look over and her face is like six inches from my face. (laughs) And she is wondering why I'm on my knee. And she is leaning away from me, and she goes, can I help you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, um, uh, uh, you know, I was, um, praying, that's what it is, I think, I was praying, and I felt like God wanted me to tell you something. She was like, all right, and I was like, well, I felt, I felt like the Lord said that he loves you very much, and I felt like he said that he's aware of your circumstance, but to not be afraid, And, and I felt like he said that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And she's like, thanks. Like not entertained, not wooed. Wasn't a magical moment, right? And I'm like, okay. And I get back up and I grab the bar. It's the world's longest commute for the record. (laughs) And I'm riding along and I go, there, I did it. And God goes, I'm so proud of you. I don't know if you've ever heard him say that, but it's earth shaking. And I'm offended by it. I'm going, but Lord, I didn't even know you right away. And you cramped my stomach. Like, how can you say that? And he goes, no, you're learning. And I'm proud of you. And then I'm like, man, you were so much nicer than anyone gives you credit for. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Like, you're so kind. And then I look over and this girl is weeping, not like little tears. I mean, like convulsed, like cr- sobbing. And I'm like, that's your fault. And I said, so uh, you know, what, what do I do, Lord? And he's silent where I'm having an audible out loud. People thought it was probably nuts conversation with God. And all of a sudden he doesn't say anything. And so I started thinking, well, what, what would the Lord do? And I'm like, he consoles people. He's the wonderful counselor. He's gentle. I'm like, okay. So I, I kind of get down low to her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I was not trying to hurt you or offend you or cause you any pain. And she's like, <laughs> and like she's like pushing me and flicking And her hand was doing this thing in my face. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, if you want prayer, I love praying for people. Just let me know how I can pray for you and I'll pray for you. And she's like, okay, okay. And so I, I get back up and then again, commute keeps going. Eventually I get a seat and I'm now sitting down. There's the aisle in the middle and there's the girl. 10 minutes plus later, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And she goes, I thought of something. And I was like, Excuse, excuse me. Thought of what? She goes. I thought of something for you to pray for me about. And I was like, Oh, awesome. I'm like, what can I do? And she goes, Well, I just found out I'm pregnant. And I was like, Congratulations. You're like, you're like, I didn't, couldn't feel it out. Like, is this a good thing? A bad thing? You know? And she's like, And she's like, Well, she's, I'm really excited about the baby. And I'm like, Okay. And she goes, But the guy's more of a fling. We've gone on a few dates, not even considering marriage. And she's like, Now I have this situation with this guy. I don't know very well. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, oh, what's your name? She goes, my name's Missy. And I was like, hi, Missy, I'm Adam. She goes, well, there's another thing. I said, what's that? She goes, on top of that, she goes, there's this genetic thing in my family, you know, heritage or whatever, where we have a lot of stillborns or babies born with lots of deformities or problems. And I'm really worried I carry that gene and my baby cannot be well. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, well, um, Missy, can I pray for you? And she goes, right now? And I said, yeah. She goes, No. And I said, okay. She goes, that made make me feel uncomfortable. And I said, I can respect that. I said, can I have permission to pray for you every time God brings you to mind from this day forward? And she goes, I'd like that very much. And she goes, and while you're doing it, here's a date for the doctor's appointment where I'll find out about my baby. And I said, I'll be praying. She said, okay. Eventually we get off the bus, life goes on, right? Three months later, it's a beautiful sunny day in Boston and I get on a different Stop that I typically take because it's so beautiful. It's after work and I walk through the city because Boston and like the springtime or the, the fall like September is amazing. So you're walking through the city and I get on the stop at Copley Square downtown Boston and the bus driver he tells me he's like hey he's like we're not leaving for like ten more minutes so you know you're just gonna be sitting here for a while I'm like that's all right I got a book to read so I go into the back of the bus and I'm sitting there and I have a, a, my face in a book and I'm just reading and all of a sudden I hear Adam 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 and I look up and it's Missy. And she had gotten on the bus and she is running down the center aisle towards me. And I'm in the very back of the bus and she swings around and she booty bumps me, knocks me over one seat. And she goes, I have so much to tell you. And I was like, oh, please do. And I put my book away and I'm like, yes, Like, what what, what can I do for you? You know, she goes, so much has happened in my life since we talked three months ago. And I was like, well, what's happened? She goes, well, first of all, Remember how you're praying for my baby, and I said yes, and I can remember the date, and I was like, which is a miracle because my brain is not that. I was like, I remember the date, and I was like, we've been praying for this. What did the doctor say? She goes, my baby is totally healthy. I said, praise God, Missy. Yeah, praise God. She goes, no, it gets better. And I, said, what do you, what do you mean it gets better? She goes, uh, so you, you know the guy that was a fling? She goes, yes. She's like, we're engaged. I was like. Missy, that's incredible. She says, yeah, we're gonna raise this child as a family. I'm like, that is God's desire that a mom and dad, a kid would have both parents. This is good. This is a good thing. This is beautiful. Missy, so she goes, it gets better. And I said, well, Missy, how could it get better? She goes, well, after I met you, she goes, that next Sunday, me and my now fiance, we walked down to this church down the street from our apartment. And when we went in, the pastor, he told us about Jesus. He told us about the cross. He told us that we could have salvation in Jesus. And we gave our lives to Jesus. I was like, what? I mean, even still, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, what have I done to deserve such a privilege? To play a part in hearing God, not just for the stewarding of my own soul, but to love people around me. Wow. I got off that bus that day and I looked a fool. I mean, I was like jumping and clicking my heels. I was spinning in circles. I mean, I didn't care who, I didn't care who knows it. And I was like, I'm in love with God. And I don't care who knows it. <laughs> Elf reference for anybody? I was like overwhelmed. I was just overwhelmed. Because I was like, God, why do I try to live life as a Christian who takes the back seat from you? Why do I kind of lean away when you offer a leaning in or even a full out running towards you where you, you, you invite me into something so much bigger than myself? This is how we steward revival. You were made to hear the Lord. Every single one of you is called to hear God, to cultivate that, not just with distance, but up close nearness. He tells us if we knock, the doors open. If we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we find. That's the promise of our God. He's not trying to play hard to get. He doesn't want you sitting there going, I just don't know what to do. I don't have the answers to my problems. I have all these problems. I have all these issues and I have all these questions. I have all these doubts and all these fears. And He's sitting there going, lean into me. You have, if you've confessed Jesus, Lord, you have the Spirit of God living in you. Be mindful of the Spirit of God on you. Live with the posture of, oh, wait, hold on. I'm not hopeless. I don't I'm not under-resourced right now. I have the living God of the universe dwelling within me ready to speak at a moment's notice on anything I bring up to him. This is the God we serve. And there's a call to us as a church to move past the corporate excitement and move it into a personal stewardship of revival. God is and if you are feeling dry and weary and hopeless, there's no shame. There's just invitation. There's invitation to come. Meet with God, let him stir your affections again for what he wants to do in you. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to have a time of response and actually I just if you're feeling stirred by the Lord and you feel like you just need to meet with God, don't wait, just come right now. This is all open right here. You can just come, you can get on your knees. If, if our ministry team's available, come on forward. If you want prayer, just grab somebody and say, pray with me. But my plea with you this morning is stewarding personal revival, personal ownership. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is a drawing near to God moment right now. Right now, you don't have to wait till another day. You don't have to clean up your acts. You don't have to figure out all your sin struggles. There's not some sort of arriving moment to access the spirit of God like this. It's simply calling on him, drawing close to him, pleading with him, not talking about him, but talking to him. And not just talking to him and walking away, but talking to him and then waiting for him to respond back to your heart. So I'm gonna pray, the band's gonna lead us, but we wanna cultivate intimacy with the Lord right now. We wanna steward personal revival right now. That's what's gonna sustain this long past just exciting couple of weeks. But God wants to do something that we live differently as the church. So Lord, my prayer right now is that you would do that very thing. God, would you come and would you speak? God, you are a speaking God and you are speaking to each one of us right now. Lord, I pray that you would open the ears of every person right now in Jesus' name. God, would you open the ears? God, would you renew the mind and anything that theologically or intellectually where they they, they doubt and and insecurity, we break those things off right now in Jesus' name. We say, come make a way. We bow our understanding to the understanding of God right now because your ways are higher than our ways. and, And the wisest things of man is foolishness to God. And so right now, even where we feel like we have to understand or comprehend everything, we choose to bow that in humility right now to Jesus and say, God, come and speak, come and move, come and have your way. We will follow your leadership and your voice. We will take the posture that the spirit of God is on us and we will keep that in mind. Every thought, every action, every deed will be with the spirit of God in mind as we move forward. God, would you come and do it? God, I pray for every marriage right now that there would be a grace poured out that every husband and wife would be able to hear well God together where there is any disunity or fraction or or conflict right now, I pray right now for husbands, their hearts would be softened towards their wives. Wives would be softened towards their husbands and there'd be great unity as they seek the voice of God together. And you would lead them in breakthrough, lead them in righteousness, lead them in, in life, in their families in Jesus' name. So anywhere there has been warfare on marriages, we break it off right now in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, bring healing to marriages. And if that's you right now, I ask that you grab your spouse and start praying with them. Even if you have never prayed with your spouse before, right now is the time to say, God, help us. God, lead us. God, speak to us. We need you, Lord. Would you soften husbands and wives together right now in Jesus' name. God, where people have felt like you've been distant, I pray that they would realize that you allow us the privilege of worshiping up close, of being near you. And I pray that that distant, that void, that felt void would be gone right now in Jesus' name and that you would, they would feel the nearness of the Spirit of God right now, ministering to their hearts. God, I pray, Father, where there are problems, real life circumstances and issues where, where, that have been consuming and it's, it's been these problems that feel like they're just consuming, I pray right now for breakthrough and revelation from the Spirit of God to each person on how to move forward in victory in Jesus' name that you have the answers to every problem that we have right now. In Jesus' name, draw close to those who feel overwhelmed with the problems of this life. God, you have come and you've overcome the world. You actually tell us, take heart, for I've overcome the world. That's not just I've overcome sin, I've overcome any problem that you face in this world. I am the overcomer. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we submit and listen and lean in. We run to you knowing that you have the answers to our problems. So Spirit of God, lead us even now. We're gonna continue to respond, but lead us as we cultivate and steward personal revival. In Jesus' name, amen.